You're listening to the Joy of Preparedness podcast with Anna Marie Jones, Part 3. All parts are available at www.thejoyofpreparedness.com. Because no one has ever called my office and said, you know, that brochure saved my life. But whistles? Absolutely. <laughs> right, right. So lots of simple things for businesses to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have a whistle story? Oh, yeah. Probably my favorite. Well, it's not my favorite, but it's one of them. Way up there is um, the story of uh, this woman, Teresa. She worked at one of our nonprofits. And she was on call for us, so she never worked at our office, but we have this rule that if you work or volunteer for CARD, you should walk the talk and actually be a prepared person. So she had a a whistle on her keychain. She was escorting a client to the door, and he was irate because he had been denied services. And Teresa, who is a petite person, like a 5'1 type person, um, she was escorting him to the door, and she was apologizing and giving him the referral to the agency. And so she takes him to the door and, and lets him out, and he is now really irate. And so he moves toward her. She felt threatened. So she backs away from him, puts the whistle in her mouth, and starts blowing the distress call. Now, this, by the way, is not the sexy story of little Teresa blew the whistle and some big strong man came and rescued her. Teresa, who's petite, blew the whistle, and the guy, who was over six feet tall and beefy, um, he was startled. He went, oh, what are you doing, and moved away from her immediately. So score one right away. He moved, put distance between them. And then all of the other people from that nonprofit rushed out because they heard the distress call. Mm -hmm. So this is a 50-cent whistle doing exactly what a nice, loud 50-cent whistle can do. Mm -hmm. And if you were the executive director of that agency or if you had been the owner of that business, how happy would you be that that 50-cent whistle neutralized that circumstance? Because if she had been hit, not just hit, but if she didn't even need to be hurt, just hit, Mm -hmm. you know exactly what that would have done. That would have been reports and paperwork and upset and debrief conversations and all sorts of things instead workman's comp exactly but this was petite woman had it on keychain Mm -hmm. used it client responded exactly the way most people do when someone blows a very loud whistle and it neutralized the situation Um, and it brought the others to her which is the other part of that it was just good on every level Mm -hmm. but we have Mm -hmm. lots of experiences where people had the whistle and because they had the whistle they were able to do something Mm -hmm. and it's 50 cents and Mm -hmm. it lasts forever there are some whistles i've had for over 35 years Mm -hmm. and i would dare you to find another tool that does not (laughs) rot it doesn't leak it doesn't die it's just a nice strong whistle and Mm -hmm. i mean really very vulnerable people being able to make the difference is an awesome thing. Mm-hmm. You, you you actually mentioned um, self rescue, and pretty much to me sounds like a pretty much of a self rescue right there. But I actually I was wondering if you could sort of expand on that too, because you sort of just said it in a stream of consciousness about people self rescuing. But what does that mean for you? There are so many experiences when um, you really just need to be able to pull on your own resources and uh, sort of live by your wits. Um, in another case, um, this young guy, his name was Evan, he had taken our train the trainer and he put the whistle on his keychain and he happened to be out hiking. And he turned the corner, headed back to his car, and he stopped dead in his tracks because there were bears ripping through his car. And he said, 
he just stood there and the blood <laughs> sort of ran cold and he said he was standing there in a tank top, shorts, sneakers, and the only thing he had on him, um, his keys in his mm. pocket. But on his key chain was the whistle and bears don't like loud noise. Mm-hmm. So he said that was the thing that he realized. He knew not to run. So he stood very still, held his whistle, and thankfully the bears actually got tired and moved away. So he didn't have to engage with the bears, Mm -hmm. but it's the thing that kept him calm. He was Mm -hmm. very clear that he was not going to outrun the bear. Mm -hmm. He could not fight the bear, but the thing he had was an ear-piercing, incredibly loud whistle. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that just kept him calm was a really meaningful thing for him. Mm-hmm. And we've had other success stories that had nothing to do with a danger like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a woman, she was um, at a church that we were doing a presentation. And so she listened. And and then the next time I saw her, when we were back, she raises her hand and she says, Anna Marie, I want to testify. And I said, <laughs> uh, okay. And she comes to the front of the room and she was so charming. She said, I listened to your conversation about whistles and i heard the code so i know the code now the one is yes the two is no three is help well i run a senior walking program so what she had done was she went out and got whistles and gave it to her seniors and did the whole one is yes two is no three is help and showed the seniors how if you blow that whistle it does indeed bring cars to a nice big old stop and Mm -hmm. this is in a fairly congested area of oakland she was able to triple the attendance in her walking program because, mm. as it turns out, the seniors were quite afraid of being out and trying to cross the wide boulevards. Mm-hmm. And they were afraid that, the, that no one would stop for them. But mm-hmm. the whistle absolutely makes cars stop. So mm-hmm. the combination mm-hmm. of the little seniors with whistle in one hand, the little flashlight in the other, and so they could always get the attention. And mm-hmm. so now they felt comfortable and empowered to cross the street Mm -hmm. now granted this is not a safety story this doesn't have like oh my goodness she fell down a well and called lassie no it was none of that (laughs) this is just a bunch of seniors now feeling confident and able to walk in their neighborhoods Mm -hmm. i considered that a huge huge success story Mm -hmm. and no it's not a disaster story but it is it is what preparedness should be right people being confident every day Mm -hmm. but you know what when there is an emergency those seniors will have the muscle already built that hey i've got this whistle because it's with them always Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think it is safety though i mean you know because they feel more comfortable you know to Mm -hmm. to cross the street they have a tool they've been educated they have something that they can rely on to be able to one just take care of themselves i think that's the one of the things that the fear-based message to me implies somebody's going to come and take care of me. You know, that's why I need to be afraid because there's other people that aren't afraid that know how to do things, you know, so I can't really rely on myself from within, under, under that message, you know, and I think these other messages, the way that we're talking about it, is really just to have people feel comfortable to take care of themselves. You know, Absolutely. the self-rescuing is, is a big step. I mean, that's a big step, but this one I like better even because, Hey, it's just take care. You've got, you got a problem, find a solution. You don't have that problem anymore. Absolutely. I like that part. And, and we, We've had lots of people with different types of stories. We had a guy who was a young runner guy who took the train, the trainer, and he put the whistle on his keychain. He was out running, and he's a strong, fit, young runner guy. Well, he was running, and he tripped and tumbled down a ravine. Mm. And he was so badly injured that he couldn't get up. But he was able to turn his body over, get his keys to his mouth, 
and blow the whistle, which was how he was rescued. Hmm. Um, and he's someone, if you were to look at him, you wouldn't think vulnerable. You know, your right. young, strong, fit runner guy does not trigger, oh, look how vulnerable this guy is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, mm-hmm. he was able to make it work for himself. And, you know, 50 cents, 50 cents, and right. it never dies. Come right. on, you can't beat that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I want to get back to business. I'm a business owner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, did we go off the trail? <laughs> So I'm a business owner, and I'm kind of interested in what you have to say, but how can CARD help me? Um, lots of ways. One, it's the obvious of trainings, right? They're just different ways to embrace preparedness. So we have trainings that help people to, one, mobilize assets. We've got trainings to help people be able to look at virtually anything and turn it into a safety asset, So, for example, when we're in someone's office, a physical office, we can go to the supply cabinet and show you absolutely crazy, miraculous things that can be done with Sharpie markers and Post-it notes and zip-top bags and you name it. So, one, super practical, low-cost, empowering. Then there are all the tools, much like potty posters and such. We have things that, you know, if you've got a printer and a piece of tape, you can make your office actually support your safety and your readiness. Then they're just little aha moments that we give people. For example, if you're going to have an event at your business, a simple, simple thing every business can do is to give directions based on all of the safety things that are in your office. So if I'm directing you to where the restrooms are, which you do whenever you have guests in your office, you can say things like, okay, well, you're going to turn left as soon as you see the um, fire escape, or it's right next to the uh, first aid cabinet, or... You know, when you Mm. see that fire extinguisher, you know that it's just two more steps forward and that's where you'll find the coat rack. If you do that level of wayfinding with all of your safety markers, what it does is it makes the people in your office be very aware of where all these safety things are. Plus, anybody who's visiting your office now has a very clear sense of where these things are without you having to sit them down and tell them or make an announcement. Mm -hmm. It's just it becomes the water you swim in. The water you swim in at your office should be, of course, people are safe here in my business. Of course. And risk management people really appreciate this because risk management people oftentimes aren't brought in until something has gone wrong. But the reality is, is that the more you prove on a daily basis that you cared about safety, you were cognizant of it, you were trying to help people stay safe and well, the easier everything is. Mm -hmm. And yes, something may still go wrong, but when you have the reputation of having taken the right steps, when you have that as part of your culture, you can basically say, we did the best we could. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different place than the people who have done nothing. They kind of know they've done nothing. They're just hoping nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you have preparedness plans, business plans, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. We yeah. have we have plans um, in many sorts. We can show people the faster, easier ways to plan. And, and some of it is actually dependent on cell phones. People think that getting a business continuity plan and such. It's about bringing consultants in and all of that. You can actually do a better business continuity or disaster response plan with your actual employees with the help of your cell phone. Because if you do that thing I was talking about earlier about getting everybody programmed, you can actually ask people questions and poll people and get the insights you need faster and easier just because of that level of connectivity. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You reminded me a, long, uh, a while ago that your cell phone has a flashlight. 
Yes. <laughs> That's quite useful during the disaster. <laughs> well, the, the good thing with the changes in technology is that um, most people who carry cell phones are carrying smartphones. And eventually, you're not going to be able to find phones that aren't smartphones. It's the mm-hmm. same way now you can't find a TV that has a big chassis in the back, right? Everything's mm-hmm. a flat screen because manufacturing-wise, it's just not going to be cost-effective to make less um, mm-hmm. advanced phones. So ultimately, we're going to have a society where people is, you know, you're going to have kids two and three years old with phones, and you're going to have people over 100 with phones. Super crazy great to have that level of understanding that everybody should have the flashlight on their phone. Everyone should have things like uh, the GPS, right? Mm -hmm. After a disaster, especially if there's smoke, if things have been, your landscape has been changed, GPS is incredibly helpful. People mm-hmm. like me, I have no directional sense. It's a miracle I make it home by myself every night. For me, I use GPS all the time. But in a disaster, when highways are rerouted and you have no idea how to get from point A to point B, being facile with your GPS so that you can pull it up and see where you are and know how to get there, super helpful. First aid apps, again, super helpful, yeah, yeah. right? Even recording apps. If there were an emergency right now, maybe I don't have a pen and a paper, and maybe I don't have a whole lot of sensibility about me, but I could babble out a note to you. Mm -hmm. I could send a message to someone I care about. All of those things matter, Mm -hmm. and your Mm -hmm. phone now can do that. I mean, this – I have an iPhone and an old iPhone at that and a 4S. Oh, dear. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm so behind the times. What month is this? But the the reality is is that this – phone is a better computer than the first five computers I owned. Oh, yeah. So with mm-hmm. that level of sophistication, the fact that we're walking around feeling unprepared is patently crazy. Mm-hmm. There's just a level of knowledge and facility we have now that if we just used it, we'd be better connected every moment, and then in a crisis, we would have way more options. Yeah, my, my daughter had um, her eighth grade class camping over last night which is a really small class. Um, but they all, to get from the house to the tent, <laughs> their phone flashlight. No, well, not, maybe not the GPS, but the phone flashlight. They all knew to use it, which I thought was great. You know, it's a facility within that tool that they already understand how to be able to use, you know. Well, and young people are digital natives, yeah, right? It's, yeah. it's people over a certain age that are resistant mm. to certain conversations. <laughs> but if you talk to young people... Uh, Richard. Yeah, I'm not looking at either of you. I'm just saying that oftentimes people of a certain age are more resistant. But young people totally get it. So yeah. young people are actually walking around much more connected. They're brilliant at texting and texting. The skill set of knowing how to text is a brilliant disaster preparedness mm-hmm. skill set, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A text will keep trying to get to its intended recipient, whereas a phone call you'd have to redial. Text takes so little bandwidth to get through. So it's a brilliant intergenerational project to have mm-hmm. young people who are digital natives mm-hmm. teach older people how to text. Mm-hmm.